right, welcome to Old School Jank. You are Mark Thompson, everybody. Good to have Mark back. David Chaser, everybody. King of Rebel headquarters, King of the Rebels. Um, so uh, great old school ahead for you guys. We think, uh, not really sure what the topics are, except one kind of. Um, so anyways, uh, sponsored by twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT, twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. Uh, given over $20,000 to progressive causes, not a big deal, but kind of a big deal. Uh, and uh, the best tasting coffee in the country. Um, so um, let's start with the topic and the title, and then we'll see where it goes. Um, I have kind of a, I think a unique answer to this, but maybe I'm, maybe it's not. That's why we have the conversation. Does the news affect your actual mood in real life? Hmm. 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 Okay, uh, David, let's start with you. Um, yes and no. I would say sure, like everybody else, too much of news that's really depressing does make me depressed. Um, but I feel like maybe, and this is, I'd be curious to hear your answers because we've all been around news for so much. I mean, we've, we're all so used to, if you're a journalist, you're used to sort of immersing yourself in it. And then you're able to separate and enjoy the time with your family and be with your kids and see your friends and sort of be happy and sort of joke about things. So, yeah, I'd say it's it's sort of it's sort of mixed. I mean, if if the news look when the when the when the Ukraine war started, I, sure, I was down for a couple of weeks because I thought you know this is going to be horrible, this is going to be a massacre, and and to a certain extent it has been. But I guess you know their defiance and how things have gone have sort of renewed my hope in a certain extent. But yeah, I, so I, I don't know. I'm sort of all over the place, but yeah, I would say that the news does affect me, but it doesn't keep me from enjoying the things that I enjoy in life, if that makes sense. It, it does, uh, I have a variation of that, but uh, first, Mark. Uh, I, I think that that's probably a really clean take on it uh, for most people and for most of us, I mean, uh, that you, you know, it, uh, you're affected, but then you're distracted is almost what you're talking about. You're distracted by the things of life, you know, your family, your kids and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I can get pretty bummed out by a lot of uh, a lot of different news. And I had a conversation last night with my girlfriend about, you know, like the serious like end of all things. Which is why I'm having so much trouble finding a girlfriend, everyone. That's why I'm hanging on to this one with her because I bring down the room in a hurry about the, uh, the end more, of the world. You mean the end of things for you, like mortality, or or the end of no, no, no. I mean because we're talking about the escalation. Uh, just to be, just to follow through with the idea, we're talking about the escalation of the conflict in Ukraine and how there was a talk. I think it was a Daily Mail piece, but still, all right, they quoted some whatever saying that. They, uh, these small scale nuclear devices are now being talked about in the conversation uh, with Vladimir Putin. So uh, she she and I were talking about, well, what is a small scale nuclear device? I mean, really? And I was just saying that when they game that stuff out, you know, the, the mm -hmm. war game rooms in Washington at the Pentagon, when they game out anything that involves one of those uh, smaller nuclear devices, um, it ends with everybody dead. I mean, the world just completely becoming this conflagration, nuclear conflagration. So uh, it was that's that's the upper we were talking about last night. But in general, to get back to the question, of course, you're distracted by life, and maybe you deliberately distract yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, some of the stuff that's been going on uh, recently, it's these are body blows, you know, and you can't help but be affected by them. Well, Mark, for the record, I'm not on that team, but if I was, I. If I was on that team, I would date you even if 
you were talking <laughs> about nuclear devices and Armageddon and everything else. So it's fine by me. Well, I feel, that yeah. makes me feel better, Davis. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I wouldn't go as far as dating Mark Thompson, <laughs> uh, and That's I wouldn't really recommend say. it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, but when he says he brings that uh, a room down, nothing has ever been more untrue. In fact, I might ban you from the network for uh, that outrageous uh, fabrication. Yeah. So Mark <laughs> definitely brings the room up. Um, so you know, the, the reason I brought brought it up, guys, is because I guess I have a wall in my head. Um, the right wing's probably like, no, you got a lot of bricks in your head, brother. <laughs> Nobody's surprised by that, right? Um, and but it's not a purposeful one. Um, so when I'm doing the show and there's an outrageous story, I get legitimately super pissed, right? Because I can't stand the injustice. And that to me, that is the one thing that gets to me more than anything else. Like the war in Ukraine is horrible, but it doesn't make me as angry as injustice does, right? Mm -hmm. So if you show me a much smaller example, but one that is more unfair, I'll be more upset about that. And and I'm not arguing that that's correct, by the way. I just want to be clear about that. I'm just saying that's just my natural reaction. So um, and and by the way, again, don't get me wrong. The invasion of Ukraine is pretty unfair. Right? So that's certainly also true. Um, and but man, in my private life, I'm I I really put that stuff aside. I I never. Not never, but I hardly ever think about it. I focus on the positive. Um, and I think I just do it, you know, reflexively. Um, and and it's it feels kind of um I almost feel bad saying it because number one, not like being happy almost feels like a privilege. Uh and and since uh, a lot of folks aren't, I, I feel Bad kind of admitting it. That's is I know it's kind of a funny thing, but that's the whole point of old schools to to you know say these things and hash it out and see what you guys uh, think, etc. Yeah, uh, the politically but, the politically correct thing to say is always, oh, you know, I just uh, I wasn't looking to distract myself. I mean, what you've just said is politically incorrect on some level, I guess. Is what mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, that, and that's kind kind of what I'm trying to suss out here, and. And it, people uh, get annoyed when you say like, "Oh, just focus on the positive things." Oh, the people hate that, right? And so, <laughs> and I get it, I get it. Um, but you know, is it another topic I wanted to discuss? Obviously, that is uh, adjacent to this one. Is is it dumb or is it smart to be happy? Um, well, before we get there, Jake, I, I have a question though. Your separation, your ability to sort of separate from the injustice news, which makes you clearly very angry while you're doing the story. And I think that passion helps sort of fuel you, but your ability to separate that from the other things that sort of bring you happiness and joy in life. Do you think that's because you have spent a career immersed in news and you're used to reporting on things that are not just or not fair or are deadly or whatever? Absolutely no and absolutely yes. So here's what I mean by that. No in that it enrages me every single time. Um, so I never get used to it. Um, but yes, in the sense that, uh, and you're really getting at something here, David, is that when I was younger and I didn't have a news show, like my friends and family were, had to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. I would, you know, uh, 
people say get on your soapbox, right? And it's kind of said derisively, but on the other hand, like no, people should advocate for justice, right? So I, I'm I'm not a, embarrassed of it at all. But yes, I was loud and I was vociferous in my circle of friends, and and so because I had to vent, I had to release it. But and since I've been doing this kind of show for you know over 25 years now, um, yeah, I don't feel the need to to rage about injustice among friends and family. So I just don't ever, almost ever do that. Well, the reason I ask is because I'd say the question that I get most often when I tell people, you know, what I do or how I spend my time at work or whatnot is people say, well, how do you keep from being constantly depressed? Because in their experience, if they consume too much news, they get sad. And so would they say that, you know, we take our breaks and sometimes, you know, I've had people say, look, I just don't pay attention to the news for weeks on end because if I do, it'll make me really sad. How do you deal with that, dealing with it every day? And and so it sort of got me thinking that I I think I deal with it just because I've sort of gotten used to it. Um, that it's just, and that may sound a little bit, I don't know, a little bit flippant, but there's just, I think there is something about people who tell stories for a living, whether it's you know good stories, bad stories, whatever. I mean, human nature is is a sad story in and of itself. And I think people who are doing that day in and day out, maybe there's just some, I don't know, Mark, maybe there's some ability that we have to sort of step out of it. And say, okay, that was work. And yeah, we covered a tragedy today. We covered something terrible today or something that was unjust. But hey, I'm gonna go to a ball game or I'm gonna go to a concert. I'm gonna, you know, I'm able to sort of pivot. Yeah. I mean, David, there's no everybody handles this kind of thing in their in their own way, but I think there's no denying that you do get accustomed to seeing certain kinds of news when you're in this business. So maybe on some level to deal with it, to write about it, to comment on it. You may process it differently and then you compartmentalize on some level. When I say you, I'm talking about us, of course. But I, I think that's I think that's almost undeniable. You can't be around it that much and on some level not get accustomed to it. And that doesn't mean that you're comfortable with it per se. It obviously means it affects you, but that you're able to deal with that emotion somehow, you know, I think over time more regularly, you know. See, to to Mark's point about everybody being different, um, so my mom and dad have had this misunderstanding for the at least the last 52 years that I've been around, okay? Where my dad will vent about a political story and my mom will assume that he's actually really like stressed and upset about it as she would be, like that it's devastating to him. No, he's just expressing his rage, he's venting. He he wants something better, but it he 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 doesn't then go and can't sleep at night, right? Um, whereas my mom is that type of person, so she's been assuming that my dad thinks that this whole time. So that's why sometimes when I come over and we talk politics, she's like, "Jenk, she 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 she'll get to destroy it, <laughs> his mood." And right, I'm like, "No, mom, he'll feel better if he lets it out, right?" That that's my sense of it. But but I, obviously, I'm in my dad's camp. Hmm. I mean, let me say this because I think of you, you when you were popping off before you had a forum, and now your dad, I guess, who pops off pretty irregularly. Um, I, when I see those people on street corners, you know, the end is near, you know, except Jesus is your whatever. It's usually Jesus. He's got a lot of good work going on, you know, that's going on out there. The, uh, the, the emotion, the passion. If it's really felt legitimately by that person who's on the 
curb every day screaming and holding the signs. And sometimes they're there every single day. I'm thinking, that's unbelievable. I don't know how you sustain that passion and emotion without being, and maybe they're, you know, it's a question of mental illness or something. But these are true believers and taking out of the equation the mental illness thing. I'm astounded that it doesn't push them over the edge. I mean, imagine every day waking up with that, with that anger. Unless, Jank, maybe you do wake up every day with that, uh, waiting <laughs> to get it out. You know, but. No, no, I, as we've talked about many times, uh, no. I don't wake up with that anger at all. Uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I wake up pretty happy, to really happy. Uh, and and then I read the news. Then I get mad. And then yeah. I vent. And then I'm back to happy. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, to the person in the street corner though that you talk about, um, I got a lot of thoughts about those folks, right? Because on the one hand, I and this is going to sound really weird. I respect them. Um, and so why? Because you have to remember they actually believe it. Like it's so hard for us to get it through our head because we have our own perspective that they actually believe it. We think like, no, nah, they can't really believe it, right? No, but to a very large degree they do. And they're really out there trying to save your life in their mind. They're trying to save your eternal soul. They're worried that you're gonna go to hell, right? And and you're gonna burn over an open fire. Um, and on the other hand, of course they don't believe it. <laughs> right? Because if you really, really believed it, and let's say my dad, for example, is atheist, right? And I was a devout Christian, devout Muslim, it doesn't matter, right? And and I thought, oh, okay, that's it, my dad's going to hell. No, I would spend night and day trying to talk him out of it. There's nothing else I would do. He's 84. I mean, I would drop everything to convince him to become you know, a Christian or a Muslim or whatever, so he wouldn't go to hell if you actually believed it. Look, I, I can explain to, and I, I don't want to get into a re religion thing, and I, I feel bad every time, but I can explain definitively how no one actually believes any of the religions, right? And so, uh, there, I don't want to get into it. They're internally inconsistent. You can't possibly believe both things. I know it's an allegory. Blah blah blah. Wonderful religious people go get it. I'm, <laughs> I got it out of my system. Okay, um, but uh, you know, it's you know on the mental illness part because he's out there and he's screaming and he's yelling about Jesus and he's it's coming back and everybody's gonna die and it's gonna be awesome. Um, I don't know where. Mental illness, illness begins, hmm. and a certain worldview ends. You see what I'm saying? And no, I totally see what you're saying. Especially these days, with what we've seen out of the right wing, man, they have blurred that line so much that I, I can't quite tell anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think when you say mental illness, you have to sort of stipulate to exactly what kind of mental illness. And I think you know one of the kinds that we may be talking about is inability to really understand and distinguish reality from being drawn into maybe a fantasy world of some sort. Again, these aren't clinical definitions. I'm just saying when then you talk about the right wing, whatever you reference the right, and some of these ridiculous theories that are posited and positions that are taken. On some level, I think we know they know that that's BS, right? It's not quite like the religious zealot who may believe it and then in the belief over some time, sort of lose themselves in the argument and maybe lose their minds. And the fact that, that at that point that they're religious zealots, it's almost just an adjunct. I don't know, Cenk, I think it's complicated, don't you think, David? 
Well, you know, this sort of reminds me that um, the for me, and this I think gets back to sort of my own sort of family experience, the discussion of people who may be, you know, crazy or maybe hypocrites or don't really believe this. To me, it doesn't make me so upset in part because I associate this discussion that we're having that others have about the news as something that was um, for me growing up a break from what had been a sort of, you know, chaotic and somewhat tumultuous family life and that I remember very clearly that when my you know parents got divorced and my brothers and I went to our dad's house a couple times a week, every single time we sat down for dinner with our dad, and we'd also do it with our mom occasionally, but every time we would sit down and we'd listen to the news. And whether the news was terrible and depressing and hypocrisy or whatever it was, to me it was a sense of comfort because we're having a very sort of civilized conversation. We're all curious about the world together. And it's something that was very sort of heartwarming to me and something predictable and something that I really sort of relied on. And so I sort of wonder if my association now with the news and, and because you know the news was something of a panacea for what could have been a very troubling time, maybe my association with it now. And again, whether it's it's obviously very different from the people on the street corner who are screaming and yelling and saying the end of the world is coming for me. The fact that we're just talking about is the end of the world coming to me? That's sort of intriguing and reassuring on a very sort of deeply family level because it provided a sense of comfort and it grounded me at a time when perhaps as a kid I was I didn't feel so grounded in terms of my own family situation. Yeah, and and I think so. So first of all, uh, one of our members wrote in with a really interesting point, which I'm going to get to in a second. Uh, but I think that I, generally speaking, in my life, don't stress about things that I cannot control. Mm. Right, so it's a little cliched. It's that old saying that I'll butcher if I try it now about you know the courage and the wisdom to know what you can blah blah. You get it, right? Uh, <laughs> how's that for eloquent? Um, so uh, because, for example, in the Ukraine situation, no uh, human extinction is now on the board. Uh, I mean, you could argue it was already on the board because of climate change, but I mean immediate human extinction. Um, is it likely? No, it's not. Uh, is it even 1%? Probably not. But we're having a conversation about whether there's a 1% chance, which happens, it happens one out of 100 times, uh, a 1% chance that we're all going to die. Um, Russia and, and America have enough nukes to kill everyone on the planet. And Chris Coons today, uh, top ally of Joe Biden talking about how no, we need to go and engage in a literal war with Russia. That's World War III. Um, and by the way, you know, we shouldn't be overconfident. India seems non-committal at best and, and more like Russia's ally. I can explain why later. Um, and and China is non-committal at best. Are we sure we're gonna beat Russia, China, and India combined? I'm not at all sure. And by the way, there is no. What does beating? Yeah, what does beating look like? Yeah. I mean, who's beat who at the end of that? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to Chris Kuhn's point, and and I think this is one worth exploring and maybe one worth arguing and debating. Um, India and Pakistan have had exchanges, military exchanges, military fights. They are both nuclear powers, and they have clearly been able to fight one another without escalating to a nuclear conflict. I guess. 
The question, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with Chris Coons on this, but the betting is that even if US forces and Russian forces are firing on each other in a conventional manner, even if the fighter pilots are firing at each other and there's some you know, rumblings that through the years they've had their own dogfights anyway, even if they're killing each other on the ground, that that doesn't necessarily automatically mean that one side or the other will resort to escalation uh, yeah. or that the Russians will then use a tactical nuclear weapon to obliterate you know, battalions of troops. And then the US would have to respond with its own escalation. So, I mean, I get the argument from Chris Coons and, and I think it is, you know, I think there's a valid debate here. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think there is a valid debate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, because don't get me wrong, uh, of course, Dave is right. It doesn't ensure that nukes are gonna be used, of course not, right? Um, but what percentage chance do we wanna take? Right. Uh, and I would, you know, once Russians and Americans are killing each other and there is threat of escalation, which will be immediate, right? You just don't know how much they'll escalate. Well, now we're in the significant percentages that nukes will be used. And then once nukes are used, then you're into a much more significant percentage that all of them will be used. Um, and those are not percentages you wanna play around with. That, you know, I uh, keep remembering uh, don't look up. Uh, and, you know, hey, let's mine the meteor, uh, except you're taking a percentage chance, right? And that is a percentage the, chance you do not want to take. Do you remember the movie, uh, the, the television series, I think it was from the 1980s called The Day After, which was oh, yeah. what happens the day after a nuclear exchange between the United States and, and Russia. And that begins, and it's obviously about a town in Kansas and whatnot, but it begins because I guess the Russians fire nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons, I think in Eastern Germany at the time on NATO troops or US troops, then the US responds. And then it just sort of assumed that literally within minutes, both sides decide, both sides think, okay, we're just gonna get rid of all of our nuclear arsenal. And you have this you know, strategic nuclear exchange. Um, the, the fact that it, I mean, it terrified people obviously back then and terrified, you know, my family and I as this, where we watch this, but that almost feels like, that's the sort of reality in the sense about how this could conceivably play out, that it then happens so quickly. Like in the movie, they just sort of gloss over, well, who fired the first strategic nuclear weapon? I mean, they report that the Russians dropped a tactical nuclear weapon and somehow the United States respond. And then, but there's no sort of, in the movie, in the television series, you don't know who sort of decided to launch all of the weapons and then respond. And it almost feels like if, if we go down that path, that's how quickly it could conceivably happen. Yeah. and. Uh... And Mark and, and I are in LA, so we're almost definitely dead, uh, <laughs> right? It's true. So they, they might not hit Nebraska, they might not hit South Dakota. They're definitely gonna hit New York and LA and Washington, right? So- um, I mean, the radiation would, would reach Connecticut here. We're you know an hour north of New York City, northeast of New York City, we'd, we'd be gone. But unlike California, in Connecticut's not, facing the chance of a major earthquake and falling into the ocean and a deadly tsunami like you guys are facing in California. Yeah, I mean, you got the nuke, which is gonna kill you anyway. <laughs> then you got the radiation and then you got the earthquake and the tsunami. <laughs> and so it is- Merry Christmas. Right. <laughs> so, but guys, I started that conversation <laughs> with, but it doesn't affect me because there's nothing I could do about it. Right, they, I, I'm doing what I can, which is to yell at Chris Coons to not be an idiot and start World War III. 
I'm putting in as much political pressure as I can to, to not engage with Russia militarily. So like it's irrational to stress further. And and I know that emotions don't often work that way, but but for me, Anna once said I'm I'm kind of like Marty Bird in Netflix show Ozark. If you guys watch that, like I'm you know off air I'm just very calm and like okay well then let's deal with that okay and yes things have taken a rather unfortunate turn of an unfortunate turn here now let's deal with that. <laughs> well, that's that's very much the cognitive behavioral approach, as my you know therapist likes to talk about. And that is, we all have our feelings about something. You know, I may you know my wife or kids may may do something that makes me feel a certain way, but then I have the ability, I have the power to decide. Okay, what am I going to do with those feelings? Am I going to lash out? Am I going to let it ruin my day or my week or my year? Or am I going to choose to deal with it and sort of you know, be happy or whatever, you know, the term you want to use. And I sort of feel like it's the same with how we react to the possibility of a nuclear Armageddon. That may be frightening and certainly should be frightening to anybody who sort of thinks about it. And perhaps even just just discussing the news could sort of make you scared. But then the question is, we all have the ability, I think, to decide what we do with it. And this is actually where I sometimes have a disagreement with my wife who says, no, I, you know, we don't, we don't have as much power over our feelings as you think we do. And, and you know, how dare you suggest that I should feel a certain way? And that's a whole sort of other discussion. But there is, you know, there's this whole sort of debate about how much control we each have over what we do with what we're feeling. Yeah, well, I have the answer for you guys. Uh, this is of course you do, Jack. I'd be disappointed if you didn't have the answer. We come here <laughs> for your answers, <laughs> and I like how this has turned into an accidental marital therapy. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't hear uh, about that. that she doesn't right. watch. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, the answer is that no, you're both right. Uh, it's just that uh, you just you're different people. So. Uh, She's telling you, I have trouble controlling those things. And you're telling her you you have a little bit better ability. That ability is kind of a wrong word. It's just the nature of who you are that you can control those emotions better. And so you guys are having a miscommunication because you both assume that you think the same way and you're not, you're getting frustrated why the other person can't see it your way. It's because they literally have different feelings. Right. right. Well, and because I mean, we also have also different beliefs about choices. And this is actually, I actually had an argument with uh, with uh, with a therapist about this because she said, "Oh well, you know, under the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't choose to feel a certain way if you don't have food, shelter, water, safety." And I'm like, "But we do have that in our family, so why can't we choose to just deal with this and be happy and and the rest?" So yeah, no, uh, good news. I also have the answer for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, Jack. Okay, and I'm and that's going to lead perfectly into the happiness discussion. But first, there's a million comments. Okay, so and <laughs> and, and so and some of them are so uh, spot on here. So let's go to the members first. Wellington Smith says uh, the guys are talking about compartmental compartmentalization, something we all do. I'm an oncology nurse, and I see dying people every day uh, uh, that I work. I don't take it home with me anymore, usually. I do my job like Jenk and the guys do, but then go home and focus on other things. It's a survival mechanism that we should embrace as long as we're not ignoring our emotional health. Hmm. And that's just about the healthiest take I've ever heard. Yeah, and, and, and that's the most credible take. Think about what she's dealing with all the time, yeah. you know. Was it a woman? I think it was a woman, right? 
Wellington um, Smith. I, no, was Wellington Smith no be a guy, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> or a, that's a great name for a, a gal. Um, <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I love uh, how you uh, stepped into that one. Yeah, yeah, I was trying right. to backtrack. Um, anyway, Wellington, great. I think that's a solid take because obviously this guy's got the uh, what he sees every day, what he was as an oncology nurse. So there you go. Yeah, you know, as you just heard, I love to say I have the answers, but I think that's as that's better than my answer. It's as good an answer as you can have, and 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 it doesn't mean that you can do it. He's just saying try to do it, and you'll be better off for it. And 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 at some point you have to do it to survive. If I mean, you know, the reporting the news, you think that's bad. Try being an oncology nurse, right? And so and try you know being a nurse or a doctor during through COVID and. Just especially in the beginning, is it was body after body after body, right? Uh, Jesus, that is that's far far more difficult to deal with because it's personal. You see it. That's another human being. It's not theoretical. It's right in front of you. So I, I, I love that input. Thank you. Uh, now I'll go through the rest a little bit quicker. Uh, Retro four cases got my shop tyt order. Everyone loves the Ukraine. Uh, T-shirt and Jenk uh, wasn't lying. The jacket is super comfortable. It took about five days to reach uh, the UK. Appreciate you all. So thank you. Appreciate all of that. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. ShopTYT.com also a sponsor of this show. Um, and so thank you for the shout out. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. So we have the uh, T-shirt that says Russian warship go after yourself, uh, but it says the whole thing, so I can't wear it around my family. Uh, and it also has like support Ukraine, like family friendly ones, etc. Um, but it turns out the Russian warship did go after itself. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it sank. How is that? I look, is it because of the t-shirt on shoptyt.com? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, the people are talking about it, right? People are saying that's, yeah, that's look, uh, I'll let people speculate. I, I no no judgment here. We actually have a sale because of uh Earth Day on 420. No, I'm kidding. It really is because of Earth Day. <laughs> but, but anything green, got, no, it's site wide. It's 20% off. I just can't remember the code. So, uh, Asher, let's say if you guys can remind me what the code is, you could text me or whatever. I'll tell people site wide 20% off. Um, and you could also get Mark's hat. You can get this shirt. I yeah. Love this shirt. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh look, look at that. Everybody's rocking the merch. Yeah, there you go. And that's a that's a shoptyt.com nirvana <laughs> right there. That that yeah. three shot. Oh. Okay. Um, so uh and it was perfect because Mark's face was the only one on the screen since he's wearing <laughs> the you know the hat as the merch. Uh and since Mark is prettier than us, uh that worked out well. <laughs> I think it's a photo finish, but all right. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Trista writes in, the problem with American forces is that none of the current generals or admirals know the taste of victory. US is engaged in armed combat, but outright wins have been hard to come by. Don't start a fight unless you intend to win it. And that's the thing, I mean, nobody's gonna win a fight between us and Russia. That's not a, it's not a thing we win. It's, we, it's just a matter of how much we all lose. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean, the damage that would be done between uh, now and whenever there might be a truce uh, is incalculable. It's 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 an absurd idea to really think about a war with with Russia. But I mean, you can dissect the Ukraine situation and should dissect the Ukraine situation, the history and all the rest. But uh, what's happening now is indisputable, and um, 
but it, we have very few options, sadly. I mean, I just, it's really a, it really is something that, um, that, that does make me sad when I think of, you know, the, the, um, refugee crisis and everything else that's happened as a result. Yeah, and the Ukrainians are dying out there. And and so our hearts go out to them. And I get that from their point of view, you'll say they, they'll say, hey, you guys are being callous, right? Uh, but it doesn't help if everyone is dead. It just doesn't help. It's um, so anyways, uh, by the way, I've got the code. It's go green. 22, go green 22, gets you 20% off of everything on the uh, shoptyt.com. Okay, uh, let's go through these faster. Kruger, like Freddie says, uh, uh, so grateful to be a part of this amazingness. Thanks for keeping me sane and enter- and entertained, thank you. Uh, Gal for 71, these are on Twitch, said David Schuster pulling triple time today. Uh, when doesn't he? Uh, or, uh, he's, the, he's the Iron Man, it is true. Yeah, yeah Iron, Iron Man's good, I like it. I, I'm trying to keep my mom busy. And my mom, I'm surprised my mom hasn't weighed in on the comments tonight. I'm just trying to test when does she finally stop writing in these comments. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a little while, but I got it. Um, yeah, me too. Mary Animal wrote in, 20 years ago, I was so frustrated and angry about news and politics. I started seeking out alternative outlets. I screamed into the void and Jenk screamed back. That's how I found PYT. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great that's a great origin story. That's a very good origin story. No, seriously, Mary Animal, that is one of the best descriptions of how someone found TYT I have ever seen. Um and I am the void screamer. Uh <laughs> and I, and if you scream into the void, you will find me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Humble VA Grant, thank you for subscribing for nine months. Uh, Green New uh, Deal Dragon says, let's have a TYT survival bunker in Montana, please. Shh, don't tell them where it is. Uh, so we already have a bunker, but people don't know it. Uh, bunker Joan in Wolfpack is in an undisclosed location. So when stuff goes wrong, we're gonna go find Joan. She's been running operations for Wolfpack in 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 her field, and she's on the board. She's awesome, uh, but we've never told anybody where her location is. So we're gonna go find Joan. Like it's in her title, it's Bunker Joan, okay? And everything's gonna be okay. Uh, she'll take care of us. Um, uh, Crystal HV also subscribe for, uh, for nine months. Look at these wonderful new uh, members on YouTube: uh, Karen Costelli, uh, and then Diggler two forty eight upgraded membership to TYT Pre- Premium. That's funny because I'm like Diggler 248. I remember that name. I'm like, I don't think they signed up, and then I realized, oh, it's upgraded. That's why I remember the name. Man. Anyway, I love you guys. Uh, we do the show together. Last one's from uh, Super Chat. Pitchforks Dragon says the only news that affected me was when TYT announced it was ending the replay. LOL. And you all started. <laughs> and he writes in, and you all started late, so I owed a five dollars to Super Chat. <laughs> I didn't know that that got us $5, don't, don't tempt me to start late every day. <laughs> so, okay, back to happiness. Um, so, uh, is it a choice, is it not a choice? So, well, first of all, it depends. It depends on your makeup, everybody's different, right? So, uh, some folks are uh, more focused, overwhelmed. I, I don't wanna put it in a way that is, in any way pejorative, but just more emotionally focused. Let's put it that way. And I'll give you an example so you know I say it with love. It's, my mom is like that. 
as she is all about emotion. Uh, and so if you tell her happiness is a choice while she's in the middle of not being happy, mm. that's not gonna work. <laughs> not gonna work. Whereas if you tell my dad, uh, you know, who uh, look, everybody's got emotions. Don't don't get me wrong. Like there's no robots out there going, mm, I have no emotions. I am fine. I make logical decisions, right? Even me, believe it or not. I know you're all shocked that I have emotions, but I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it on there. Um, but anyways, uh, but my dad's a little bit more rational than the average bear. And so he can control his emotions more. And those things are not necessarily the same, by the way. You might not, you know, like I'm very emotional on air and people assume that means that I'm irrational. No, I, I fancy myself quite logical, but I still get emotional. I still get pissed about things that I think you should get pissed about. Um, and but so hence it depends. But having said that, do we all make choices every day and every minute on whether to be happy or not? It's kind of an uncomfortable fact because it it makes people feel like they're making the wrong choice or somehow it's their fault, right? And I don't want you to take it that way at all. I'm just trying to empower you uh, because no, I know for a fact you can make the choice to be happy. So now, does that mean, hey, if you're struggling with paying the rent, that you should have this weirdo fake smile and be like, oh, you're choosing to be happy, right? No, no, uh, and and was it harder for me to be happy when I was poor as opposed to middle class? Uh, yeah, betcha, okay, yeah, when you, when you can't afford anything, it is much harder to be happy, of course, of course. So that's a reality of life, right? But at the same time, you know, at the time I would make these choices unconsciously. I now make them consciously. But I would, you know, when I lived in Baltimore and I didn't have a dollar to my name, uh, you know, I would save up money to buy a bagel, right? With my favorite spread. I'm not kidding, because uh, otherwise I was on my normal rotation of cereal, hot pockets. Cold cut sandwiches, <laughs> uh, and um, and so, but when I got that bagel with cream cheese and bacon, um, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, I I was happy as could be, and because I I appreciated it, I I focused on it, and I got all that I could out of it. So if you, if anybody tells you it's easy, I'll get the f out of here. No, for a lot of folks. For most folks, it is not easy to do that, right? But I'm here to tell you that it's possible. Um, and but you, you can also, you know, you can also find yourself quote happy without having to have the the sort of happiness that you know one might associate with, like you know, just sitting back with a mai tai and you know, wow, isn't life great? Um, or maybe the the kind of happiness you get from your child saying something that is you know that cuts through the the daily whatever. But uh, there are people who live every day, and you know, especially in the TYT universe, there are people who live every day with a passion, and they get a a, a, a passion and emotion, and and activists so very much get payoff. It makes them happy if you if you speak to them. They're people who can articulate positions so well, and and maybe uh, articulate their cause uh, more to the point. Uh, so well, but ultimately, what makes them happy is this effort they're in, and it's a different. I guess I'm just trying to 
distinguish the kinds of happy you can have. You can have satisfaction and a, a sense of purpose, and and that can give you a lot of happiness. And I guess I guess over that I was thinking about, um, you know, people who are in physical pain, right? I mean, it's hard to be happy when you are in physical pain. It's hard to be quote unquote happy when it seems like your life is falling apart. However, each moment, and and you know, and I'm not saying people, you know, should be happy, but I'm just saying that each moment that we persevere, each moment that we're okay, I have a terrible pain, but I'm gonna get through it, and I'm gonna get through it tomorrow, and the next day I'll try to get through it again. That I, I do think there is some sort of contentment or satisfaction we can choose to give ourselves because of that, and that doesn't mean that you know, as to your point, that we're going to be walking around with a smile on our face and oh, everything's great and isn't this wonderful? I'm so happy. No, but you can give yourself some credit. Yeah. So I want to build on two things you guys said. One is that um, Mark is so right, and and you know, very rarely do people get this right. Um, because happiness is is kind of a vague word, and there's a lot of these vague words. It can mean a couple of different things. And so, one way of thinking about happiness is just immediate, like ah, I'm happy, right? Uh, but another way to think about it is more broadly, uh, and I think that's the correct way to think about it, uh, the more helpful way to think about it. And that's what Mark, Mark's alluding to. Like I get great satisfaction out of trying to help the world in my own way, right? And you know, people who say, "Oh, BS! No, you're not helping the world." Or, well, maybe I'm not, but I'm trying, right? Uh, and 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 then others, the right wingers or whoever, will say, "Oh, yeah, I don't even believe you." Ooh, okay, whether you believe me or not, it's still happening. So it's like, that's like your, as my 11 year old son would say, "That's kind of a you problem and not a me problem." <laughs> <laughs> Kind of an obnoxious thing today, but in this case, it makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, that gives me satisfaction. That makes me happy. And it, and uh, on days when, hey, like when Mary Animal wrote in and saying that I screamed into the void back, and she found this community, and it and it helped her. And a lot of you guys write in all the time saying, "Tyt helps keep me sane." Uh, I, that is, that's a great, great feeling, and I, tr- I, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, and so, don't think of happiness as just like momentary bliss or or joy. You have to think about it way more comprehensively. And there's so many things that that you can get happiness from uh, that isn't just like weirdo smile, as I keep saying, right? Or yeah, like flipping a switch. I mean, the assumption that when we talk about happiness, that you know, oh, you just suffered a terrible tragedy, that you have the power to somehow just sort of flip a switch and be happy. No, not at all. Um, the healthy thing is to be sad and to grieve and to be depressed. It's, but that I think I think the point is that there comes a point, there comes a time where you sort of face that proverbial, you know, why that you know, you can choose a couple different paths, and you choose to put yourself on a path where you're going to be open to the possibility that life will get better or that you will persevere and that you'll regain a maybe a sense of humor or that you know everything will eventually be okay or do you let the grief and depression literally swallow you and just eat you alive yeah and and guys nobody like if you if you see folks who are 100% happy they're probably pretending right. and and be careful and walk out of the back out of the room slowly. Okay, um, so like my wife will kid around with me. Uh, so I, you know, I tell her, hey, you know, things are going well, and I, I feel pretty good, and I feel really happy psychologically, etc. 
and then uh, I'll stub my toe and go, I sicked it, right? <laughs> She's like, oh, what happened, Mr. Happy? <laughs> <laughs> so does that happen? Of course, when people cut you off in traffic, are you gonna have a normal human reaction and tell them to do certain things with their mother? Sure. Uh, Hey, that might make you happy to have that little outburst. <laughs> you ever guys ever think of that? That's a layer on a layer. There's a 3D chess of happiness. <laughs> that's right. And by the way, Mark, that's right. There are layers, right? So you don't have to get uh, to the, you know, to the last level right away. You can, to, to David's point too, you could to one step at a time, brother. Okay. Uh, so, like. I've told this story before on the show. I, look, I'm 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 at a pretty high level, um, okay. And so I don't mean to, again. I don't mean to say that in an obnoxious way. I've just spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about these issues, about how to make yourself happy. Um, you know what makes me happy? It's who, who am I, and how do I, you know, serve that, enable that in a way that is a more fulfilling life. Right, and so I I got to a point where I could almost get enjoyment out of anything. Um, you know, I've told a story before. I was high and and, uh, and I got spooked and I got really uh, scared of something that happened. Like I thought somebody had jumped out of the bushes. Again, I was high. No one had actually jumped out of the bushes. Uh, and uh, but I when I got that jolt of fear, I was like, Ooh, that's good. Let me soak it in. Okay, and I literally soaked in and enjoyed the fear because that is a powerful, interesting human emotion, and that's another one thing that we have. I told a story about when I have a cold, when I had a cold sore, I was like, "Man, this is super annoying," but I hope I'm never going to have one again because I'm kind of older in life. I don't know where the hell I got this cold sore from, right? And so I kind of enjoyed, like, let me see if I can enjoy the sensation of it constantly going. Boom, 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 and I kind of did. Okay, wow. And I acknowledge that that's full blown mental. (laughs) Do you really acknowledge it? I, 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 I want us all to acknowledge it. Uh, (laughs) It is, it is duly acknowledged. And I've heard you say a lot of things, but that's right up there among the things that the boom, boom, sold me. It's a. Did I? Did I? Did I just hear Jenk say that? Admit that he got herpes. Is that, is that what I mean? <laughs> That's oh, right. I know that's the other uncomfortable thing. I have, it, there are by the two way, different the, kinds of herpes. <laughs> I, have the, <laughs> I have the same story involving a quarantine, and I got, a, and I'd never had a cold sore before. And uh, I had the same questions and the same, had, I had to answer the same kinds of issues, right? In my own home. There are two kinds of herpes. <laughs> I've had this. Well, I'm in my own home. We've been honey. We've been on quarantine for two years together. How can exactly. I possibly have gotten it? Yeah, yeah I see. literally, I had the conversation. Yeah. yeah, that I could have gotten it in any other way. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, uh, but you know, I didn't start there, right? Oh, wait. The other famous story is me and a, a bunch of the guys we were gambling. I think it was in Detroit of all places, and and. I got like I was, I got hit with a couple of blackjacks in a row or pulling 21s. You guys all know the sob stories, right? So playing blackjack, the guy, some bitch dealer pulls like six, seven cards in a row to get 21, does it twice in a row and wiped me out, right? 
and I had a double down, no one cares. Bottom line is uh, I lost 300 bucks that I couldn't afford to lose, right? And I slammed the, the table down with my fist and I went, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> because it felt so bad, but it felt, right? It was like a, like a significant feeling um, and it was living. And so, uh, so I soaked that in. Um, but there's many steps between that and, hey, you know what? Um, I can look at a different side of that, and I can see something positive in 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 whatever it is that you're dealing with that's much more minor, right? And and I'll try to come up with some examples for you guys, maybe in this in the next episode. But there are so many things that you could look at as either positive or negative. And then you could say, hey, well, that's 80% negative. So that 20% positive thing that you found in it is Pollyannish, right? And I would counter with, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, all right, then you could choose to focus on the 80% that's negative. And I guess you would be more correct. But did that make your life better or did it make it worse? Mm-hmm. There, there's a famous New Yorker cartoon from like 30 years ago where two psychiatrists are standing there. They're looking at a room full of party goers. Everybody's clearly having a good time. And the caption, uh, what one leans over and says to the other is, if those people only knew how miserable they are. And, <laughs> and, and there's a certain virtue in tuning out things and enjoying the feelings that you know, that bring you enjoy. I think your stories, Jenk, are really interesting. I never knew that you had that kind of ability to tune into those things. But anyway, tuning some things in and tuning some things out seems. I just can't wait to play blackjack with Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the cooler. Mark seemingly lose more in poker. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so if you play with me, it's a win win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're alive. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> give me three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a lot. It's a win-win. I'm alive, and you get my money. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> okay, so uh, I got to read the last couple of comments here. I can't read them all, uh, but we're gonna do a whole nother episode uh, just for the members. Tyt.com/slash/join, or if you're on YouTube, just hit that join button below the video. Uh, and we got a lot more where this came from, but real quick let me read the last ones here retro uh, 4k wrote back in in the member section and said this is what I this is what I watch old school for I learned so much from Jenk and others uh, with their lived experiences retold here I love to hear that and that's yeah we do okay I love old school because it's casual we talk about real life um, and and somebody else built that off of that as well. Zero Skull, who's a YouTube member, wrote in. Uh, this is the sort of useful discussion about general well-being most news organizations would never hold. They certainly wouldn't consider these ideas and how they affect the audience producing content. Uh, and no, guys, and thank you for saying that. And it's true. I think about your well-being all the time. And I don't want you to get bummed out by the news. I want you to be in it. I want you to live it. I want you to fight for justice. But I don't want you to get bummed out by it. Uh, I. Uh, we're gonna work towards justice together. And it's not just my optimism. I know we're gonna win, okay? Let's put it this way, we have a high percentage chance of winning. You can never guarantee anything. Uh, And finally, this one's funny, that's why I'm gonna read it. Twitch says, uh, 
Fiddlin' Fiddlin' Nero. When people cut me off in traffic, I laugh at them. They think that all that weaving will save them time. Invariably, we end up stuck at the same red light miles down the road. But when they cut really close, putting both of our lives at risk for their false sense of winning, I admit, I rage. Okay, see, there you go. Uh, the panoply of human emotions uh, and uh, nothing wrong with any of that, just soak it in. Okay, we're gonna soak more in in the next episode, tyt.com slash join, we'll see you there. Uh, back on old school, Jank, uh, Mark Thompson, David Schuster. I forgot the forget the plugs in the uh, first episode every time. The Edge with Mark Thompson, obviously uh, one of the greatest po- podcasts known to man. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's obvious. Very, I don't, I don't, don't want to belabor it. Uh, sure. But uh, Mark's show is also on KGO Radio, uh, so that's in, you think, oh well, that's in San Francisco. That's a legendary talk station. Maybe the number one talk station, radio talk station in the country, Jenk. We all know about KGO Radio and Mark's show on there. Uh, but wait, do you know that anyone can get it on iHeartRadio? Okay, so you don't have to live in San Francisco. You can listen to Mark every day. That's um, so well said. Ten to noon every day. Uh, that's Pacific time. Thank you, Jenk. It's my pleasure. And you don't to have to be his girlfriend to listen to him every day. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right now, she's taking notes, going, "Wait a minute, mm. that's true." Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> she embraces it. Crazy. Um, I don't think Wendy's watched this show in 18 years. <laughs> um, and and of course, David's at Rebel Headquarters. Check out his videos there. Um, so fun note, uh, Pitchfork's Dragon just uh, joined. Uh, well, Pitchfork's uh, welcome. I don't know if you were already a member on Twitch or somewhere else, but thank you for joining on YouTube. We appreciate it. Um, oh, lots of interesting things here. All right, let me read one quick one from Twitch. Uh, Sova Kingdom Dragon writes in, um, and you know you're running out of dragons when you have to go to Sofa Kingdom Dragon. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason for it. I'm sure of it. Uh, just donate a hundred dollars to Nina Turner. All of a sudden, I l- love that Sofa Kingdom. Uh, Jenk should grow a beard during the election, and when people ask why, he can bring up Nina. Hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. idea. Interesting idea. I probably won't do it because it makes me look older. Because it's mainly gray these days. Um, I'm not going as far as Jimmy and dyeing my hair. But there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody makes different decisions, okay? Um, but uh, but if I put the beard on, it's I think the beard adds it at least ten years, uh, where people go, oh, Jake acts like a child, but there's some chance he's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I like that I did the pocket chip challenge, which destroys your, uh, you know, internal organs. But I won't put on a beard because it might uh, not make me look so good. Okay, what was that old line from um, Billy Crystal's character, Fernando? You look marvelous. Yeah, <laughs> it's better to look good than to feel good. That's right. Better to go look good. <laughs> you look marvelous. <laughs> yeah, but but oh. thank you for giving the hundred bucks to Nina Turner. I love that. If you can go uh, to helptherebellion.com. Because we're gonna hopefully make some killer ads, and we gotta go. There's two weeks left, so go, go, go! Uh, and 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 our ads are almost ready. So the every dollar means we could run another ad and reach another voter. 
So helptherebellion.com. Uh, okay, so on Super Chat, Auntie Lou wrote in and said, I'm more focused on what next uh, Donald Trump uh, is on what next. Donald Trump is a grifter and I worry about the next two years. So the reason I read that comment is because I realized during the break as I read uh, Auntie Lou's comment, there are, yeah, there are a couple of nightmare scenarios we cannot recover from. <laughs> and so as I'm super optimistic long term, I am very, very, very concerned about 2024. And I know I've got a plan, but God help us if we're relying on rando online talk show host dude for the plan to win in 2024 and God should help us because that's where we are. I've literally heard of no other plan to win in 2024. It's everybody in democratic circles appears you know, okay with the destiny of almost certainly losing to the Republicans and very likely to Donald Trump. There's barely any plans other than, I don't know, maybe let's try Buttigieg. That's not a plan. That's the it's it's a recipe for disaster, and and partly Democrats in in Washington are so wrong, so short sighted, so live in their bubbles so much that they don't know that they're almost certainly going to lose unless there's a giant twist between now and then. Uh, so if it's what Donald Trump, that that is. People, well, that's Titanic. Well, that is that's that's also a hell of a tease, Jake, because I have not heard your plan. So do tell. What's I mean? Yeah. What do you got? It's actually secret. <laughs> 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 it, but it literally is. Uh, I don't. I don't want the establishment knowing about it. I don't want anybody knowing about it. Uh, but I will tell you this: uh, as part of that plan, not not anywhere near the entirety of that plan. But it is super duper important that Nina Turner win. Okay, that is not just a local congressional race in the 11th district. Uh, that that is absolutely integral. She must win. Helptherebellion.com. Okay, it's a super close race, uh, and you know let let's see what we can do. And voter turnout is critical. If you know anyone in Cleveland, reach out to them, and by hook or by crook, get them to vote. And early voting has started. Do not mess around. Don't be, oh, well, you know, hey, it's a kind of a pain in the ass, it's kind of rude. Be rude, do, but in a pleasant, polite way if you can. But get people in Cleveland to vote and to vote for Nina Turner. That's my take. Um, okay. Um, so, and you know me, David. I, I'm uh, obviously I'm, I'm uh, honest and, and I would like to think over the top honest. Uh, <laughs> I prove it fairly regularly on the show. So if we win and it wasn't my plan, I'm like, oh no, that was that wasn't anywhere near my plan. <laughs> and if it is, you'll know. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but right now, uh, the establishment has no chance of winning, and I don't know that they know that. Um, what do you guys think? Do you do you think that the the Democratic establishment knows that they have like a 12% chance of winning in 2024? If nothing changes between now and then, they have to know it on some level. I mean, it's, I mean, if you look at polling, I mean, uh, Biden's cratered and now the losses could be 
increase by uh, extreme gerrymandering that's been upheld in the courts in Wisconsin. And now this new uh, uh, situation with DeSantis redrawing the map in Florida. Uh, uh, how could you be in the democratic hierarchy and not be aware of how grim things are? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think you know it's likely Democrats you know, even if Nina Turner wins, I still think that there will be, you know, there's a chance that Democrats are going to lose 40 or 50 seats in the House. And if, you know, Joe Biden's approval numbers are really bad right now, just imagine if he's suddenly dealing with a Republican Congress and literally nothing is getting done, nothing's getting through. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, I think the environment, the environment is really tough. And unfortunately, I, I think there's this, there's this seems, it seems to be this perpetuating cycle of establishment Democrats who, just feel like, well, we just need to tinker here at the margins, or we just need to pivot back to the center, or we just need to grab a Republican issue as if that has somehow <laughs> worked in the past. Um, it's just, I, I think the establishment is not about bold ideas or about bold policies. Yeah, they're never gonna learn. There's a 0% chance they'll learn, they'll walk us right off the plank. Uh, I'm positive of it. Um, so. Uh, okay, but we've talked a lot about that. Uh, but so uh, the only point I was making in the general conversation we were having is that, um, yeah, I mean, you, there's different ways that you, you could choose happiness, uh, but certain situations will make it a lot harder. <laughs> and a nuclear war with Russia would make it a lot harder. Uh, Donald Trump uh, winning the election and any democracy would make it very, very, very hard. Uh, and right now, we're the underdogs. Uh, and fascism is the favorite. Um, so that's a hell of a thing. And that Washington, I don't think, recognizes at all. I think they think the Titanic can't sink, and they're definitely wrong. I like it. I like it when you say uh, Washington because you're right. It's uh, it's it's all of Washington. It's the judiciary. It's the Justice Department. As uh, Garland sits back on certain uh, things that are clearly actionable, right? Uh, and you see it at the state level as well. For some reason, you find uh, uh, prosecutors uh, not ready to pull the trigger on a lot of the Trumpian stuff that went down that was clearly illegal. I mentioned in the context of the election because. That would change the arithmetic tremendously. Now I'm sure that there's a school of thought that goes, yeah, well, if he got into a legal thing, it would actually it would energize his base, or it would energize that maybe, but it would be uh, he'd be fighting a lot of other fires besides running for president. Yeah. Um, look, one of the points of Nina Turner winning is, as David put it, if you got 50 losses, but one of the few wins is a progressive. Well, that certainly stands out, right? Right. It, it, you're never going to convince the establishment. You're trying to convince the voters, right? You're trying to get past the establishment to convince the voters. And so, um, and uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, let me let me read a, another couple of comments here, but then I want to come back to what Mark said. Um, and and I now noticed for the first time in our member section when they're putting up the comments. I think I can see your guys' pictures. Um, so uh, that's we're trying to do that. Go to tyt.com if you're a member, or if you're not a member, but start filling in things like your pictures and stuff. Then I get to to know who you are. I love that, and the community gets to know uh, who you are. So Biden flavor corn pop. If 
if I'm seeing the tiny, tiny picture correct, and and it is actually your picture, turns out Biden flavor corn pops a, a woman, <laughs> okay? And so I, I, 50% of the time I read these and I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't have a name. <laughs> so I have no idea, right? Anyway, uh, so uh, she wrote in, it ain't fun being angry. It also ain't fun to experience somebody deliberately savoring another person's anger. Uh, but it is fun to have a constructive way to direct anger and to see somebody like Nina Turner win against creeps like Chantel Brown. It's gonna be magnificent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, it's May 3rd, we're gonna cover it. If she loses, it'll be devastating, Nina Turner, if she loses. If she wins, oh wow, that is gonna be one of the happiest nights. I mean, you you will see me maybe literally jump for joy. Um, I mean, uh, as we discussed earlier, I'm the happiness expert to begin with. You give me a Nina Turner win, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna take this thing through the roof, okay. Um, and another reason for Nina, of course, is someone has got to shake Washington out of its complacency. Um, and they're just not getting it. Um, and I think Nina will help uh, them get it. Okay. Um, Panda Dragon wrote in, I'm choosing happiness right now by knitting and watching this. I'm going to donate to Nina on Friday with my new race. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. And I'm going to read one more here. Um, this is all in the member section. Boomer Dragon Cat said, so to play devil's advocate, why would we want to go ahead and hit Russia now? When we believe his army is so decimated, moral crushed and economy failing, wouldn't getting involved now save a lot more lives than waiting until we absolutely have to? Well, number one, I'm hoping that we never absolutely have to. Number two, no, think about it, if we hit him now, and we think he's down. First of all, he's not down. They're the Russian. They, he's down, but is he out? No, they're the Russians. I'll tell you a story about the Russians in a second that is just amazing. Okay, I'm so, so glad you said this. Do not interrupt, but just quickly to, to mention the notion, which was posited here, that his his army, his military, I think was the word, has been devastated. It's just what Jank said. No, no. There's there are plenty more where that came from. Type thing. Thank you for mentioning that, Jank. Yeah, no, no problem. I want to go back to that. But, but even if that were the case, though, think about it. If, if we go in there and we crush him uh, on conventional troops, and he, there's no way for him to save face, and he's humiliated in front of the world, and it's his worst nightmare come true. America crushes Russia, right? When he's been dreaming and fantasizing his whole life about the opposite. What does a man that desperate and that corner do? Well, I don't want to find out, especially a guy like Putin. It's one thing when you pick on Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi and stuff, and and they don't have nukes, so they just rage in, and and but it's an impotent rage. But there's definitely something Putin can do about it. So you don't literally want to poke that bear, or almost literally. So. Okay, now let me tell you about the Russians. Um, so, yes, they're 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 hurt, dog. Uh, and Ukraine has done an amazing job, an amazing job uh, in fighting back. And, and I have a, a new breaking news update on that in a second too. But um, 
but never count the Russians out. They're an amazing people. Uh, so the story I've told before is Stalingrad. Uh, if you studied World War II, you know that it was actually the Russians that mainly won World War II. Uh, they took out, I think, like 90% of the Nazi army, um, the German army. Um, it, like Americans came in and helped in Normandy, etc. Uh, I don't want to underplay what we did, but the, the Russians did most of the heavy lifting. But in Stalingrad, in particular, uh, the not the Germans had basically done to Stalingrad what um, Russia's doing to Maripol, uh, but times it by ten or twenty. I mean, if you've ever seen the pictures, there's like almost no building standing. I mean, they just absolutely leveled the place, and it took months and months and months, and they just and the Russians just would not give up the city. They just wouldn't do it until it got to winter. And then the Germans started freezing and then they had to retreat. It was amazing, but they've done that several times. And the one I didn't know about is the one that is, I'm just, it's a testament to their will and to their ingenuity, but really to Russian grit more than anything else. Napoleon was kicking ass and and he's, just he's defeating every army. Uh, it doesn't matter if the army's four times larger than his, he's winning, right? So the Russians and a whole bunch of others, England, uh, and I think Spain, but the allegiances flipped so much back then, uh, got together. They're trying to stop Napoleon, but Napoleon goes into Russia uh, and he's got him. He's so good at this. And so he, he takes the, he goes to take the first city or the village, town, whatever you want to call it. And it turns out, they're already gone, um, and they burnt down their own village. And Napoleon and the French army are like, what in the world? They go to the next town, that town is burnt to the ground. The Russians have already burnt the town, their own town, before the French got in, okay? Then they march all the way to Moscow. The Russians burnt down their own capital, completely destroyed. Okay, why do they do it? Because then the French have no supplies. There's no food, there's no shelter, there's no nothing. The Russians just kept on retreating and burning their own towns until the French ran out of supplies. And then the winter came. Oh, and then they had to panic back to France and lost half of Napoleon's army. Okay, now burning down your own capital so the other guys won't have supplies. That is willpower, okay? So you're not gonna outwill the Russians. So yes, the Ukrainians are doing great, but don't get carried away thinking, "Oh my God, we got them. This is gonna be easy. The Russians will immediately retreat. That has not been their history. It's not their culture, it's not who they are. Just keep that in mind. And, to, and of course, these days, since they're the bad guys in this case, it's not good news, but it is that is their culture, you should know it. Okay, um, so I don't know if you guys saw this. Malcolm Nance, the MSNBC contributor, yeah, yeah. has joined the war. He, there's a foreign oh, yeah, legion yeah. in Ukraine, and he's joined the foreign legion fighting against what? the Russians. I know, isn't that amazing? I mean, look, you, there's, there is, you know, putting your principles out there, uh, and he felt strongly about this. 
Um, and he felt like, you know, just appearing on TV, I guess, and talking about it and advocating for Ukraine wasn't enough for him. So, look, I, you know, I give credit to people, regardless, if, even if I disagree with somebody's point of view, but when they live the life that they talk about, when they walk the walk, when they do the talk, and they're consistent, both in their words and their actions, I have a lot of respect for that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Look, Malcolm Nance is uh, is a too much of a hawk for me. Although he sometimes says things that I really like, and uh, and so we've agreed with each other uh, plenty in the past, but definitely too much of a hawk. But right now, whew, my hats off to him. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about uh, living your principles? Uh, he's for war, and he went to war, uh, and and it's not a war we're even in. So that I respect. Um, the chicken hawks, uh, that is the rest of, but that's the Republican Party, that I don't respect. They start endless wars and never fight in them, ever, ever, ever. You think Tucker Carlson is gonna go join his beloved Putin and join the Russian army? <laughs> no. Is Steve Bannon, you think he's gonna roll his fat ass over and help his buddy Putin? No, no, they, and there's a 0% chance they'll do that. So, Malcolm Nance, uh, Walking the walk, that's a hell of a thing. No, it's that's that's really remarkable. And uh, yeah, I had no idea that. I guess he was in the Navy originally, wasn't he? Or I think he's a history in the Navy. Or am I wrong? Anybody? No. He, I don't remember which one, but he was definitely in the armed forces. Yeah, he was in the armed forces before. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's around our age. He's not a spring chicken. Um, he he might even be a, a little older than us. Uh, he, so you, 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 look, I don't know. It's, black people age better. I'm just gonna say it. Okay, <laughs> they just do. And so he might be 71. I don't know. Right? We did a story yeah. about this uh, uh, black DJ in in Arizona, uh, and in the story it said, oh, by the way, it, you know, just offhandedly mentioned he's 56. I thought he was like 32. Hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. So who knows? Maybe Malcolm Nance is you know in his 60s, but. He looked good in that outfit, and he's out there. He's literally fighting the Russians. That is amazing. I mean, there was a story. I'm sorry, David. I'm interrupting. Oh, um, no. There's a story um, about so many who have, over the last month or so, you know, quote, risen to the occasion and felt the need to take up fight against uh, the Russians in Ukraine. One of the problems is that most don't speak Ukrainian. That there's a that they come with sort of different levels of training. There's a lot. There are a lot of issues. It sounds like Malcolm Nance. I mean, I don't know what he's doing there, but I mean, he's certainly being led by his heart. Uh, but for everyone trying to get into battle or to some kind of support, apparently it's the logistics are pretty tough, particularly when no one speaks the language or very few do. Well, that gets to the point that I was going to make, and that is, um, there is a clear, there's a moral clarity about this fight that is pretty remarkable and that you know look Ukraine was certainly a very corrupt country Ukraine had its own share of problems it's had its own share of you know whether it's anti-semitism or on and on and on and on um but in this particular case I feel like that's the one thing that maybe is a sort of unified you know America in a way that we weren't unified before and that is regardless of whether we you know support a high level engagement or no engagement or yes there should be troops or no there should be troops i feel like more americans agree on who the good guys and the bad guys are in this particular case than any other story that we've seen for years and and that 
never mind that, you know, there are the Tucker Carlson's and there are the, you know, some of the idiots at Fox News who might as well be Vladimir Putin propagandists and apologists. But even with them, even if you look at the Fox News audience, I think you would find an extremely high percentage who say, Ukraine are the good guys, Russians are the bad. Yeah. I think uh, outside of the Tucker wing uh, and the the gray zone wing is so small that it's barely worth talking about. But uh, outside of those uh, two camps, I think the country is very united. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Russia obviously made a, a tactical mistake here by attacking a white Christian country. And so right. <laughs> I don't care who takes offense at that, that it's just absolute reality. I mean, uh, Chris Coons on TV, going back to him, talking about moral imperatives, and we had this, we can't let this keep going. And, and many people say that. Why can we let Yemen keep going and Syria keep going, and we can't let Ukraine keep going? You know why? Keep it real. Everybody knows why. And so, uh, and so, when a lot of Americans look at Ukraine and go there, but for the grace of God, go I. Uh, you know. And it, even with the right, or maybe especially with the right wing, killing white Christians, not a popular move. <laughs> and so uh, so that's just reality. And, and I think that's what helped to unite us a little bit. But don't worry, David, uh, Tucker and Bannon and others are working super hard to divide us. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys see the, the testicle tanning uh, video by Tucker? Well, yeah, and, and in fact, on one of the shows, I think it was a JR show, um, The Watch List, we talked to sort of about it, and it gets to your point. I mean, there is Malcolm Nance, you know, living his principles and, you know, talking the talk. Well, but Tucker Carlson may be in favor of, you know, tanning your testicles, but is he going to step up to that, you know, crazy ultraviolet light machine and do it to himself? Of course not, because he knows Oh, this is just, you know, he can sort of talk about it and he can talk about, oh, we need more testosterone and there's a testosterone crisis in America, but. Is he gonna show us exactly what should be done? Of course not. Yeah, no, no, guys, that, that video was so over the top, so homoerotic, uh, so insane that I now believe that, that Tucker is at least partly in some ways that is, well, I'll ask him the formal question. I'm sure that he's trolling his audience, I'm sure of it, right? The question is, how is he trolling them? Is he trolling them like, Oh, these guys are dupes. Uh, this will be fun. Watch, I'll get them to laser their own balls, <laughs> right? Um, and 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 they'll love it because the dumber the thing is, the more they like it. So I'm just going to keep going dumber and dumber and dumber <laughs> until I'm the largest show on Fox News, and that already worked, right? And he's just he's like, maybe I can go so dumb I can become president. Um, or no, he's just like. He's not trying to get more audience. He's not going dumb on purpose to get audience. He just thinks, I just like making fun of these guys. And they'll never even know. Like that he is, who is the legendary guy um, who was on Taxi, uh, the comedian? Uh, Danny DeVito? Uh, no, the one that uh, would Judd stay Hirsch. in character forever and then disappear. Oh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, Andy Kaufman. There's like, now that's on the board. There's a 2% chance Tucker Carlson is Andy Kaufman. Mm. Um, because he tried to get Kid Rock to say, yeah, you should laser your balls. Uh, and even Kid Rock was like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> but like the way he was going in on Kid Rock to try to really get him to do it, it felt a little. Well, the other example I could use is uh, Ali G, uh, Borat, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is Sasha Baron Cohen's fourth character, and there's going to be a big surprise at the end of season four. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, by the way, all you Republicans who lasered your balls. Uh, that actually rules your. Uh, here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't help your testosterone because it really hurts your balls. And I <laughs> like, aha, I got you, right? I mean, he could do that, and people would instantly believe it. Like, oh, that makes sense. He was trolling him the whole time. So I think you're, you're saying that he's so outrageous that you're saying there's no way it could be legit, essentially, right? Yeah, there is 0% chance that Tucker Carlson, who is actually very intelligent, thinks yeah, you were, you met it, were, you, were you, did you debate, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. But you did you debate him or did you, you're on his show, I forget. No, I debated him at Politicon. Right, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, we've been over that and anybody can watch it online. He just sat there going, oh, wow, that's a good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just kept waiting for the debate to start. Um, and and I actually think that he's watching left wing channels and maybe even specifically TYT because he seems to be doing shades of what we're saying. He will take something that is a actual populist position that you'll see on TYT and he'll put like a weird evil take on it and put it on air and be like, hey, you know, like, hey, you guys are all mad at corporations, right? Because he figured out from us or however he figured out because he's smart that yeah, people hate big business. Meanwhile, idiots like Biden and Pelosi and everyone on TV are like, oh no, the American people love big corporations. They love it when their wages are cut and the CEO gets $60 million a year. They love that, right? No, Americans fucking hate that, right? So, but Tucker will take that and he's onto it. And then he'll go, and you see, the real problem is because corporations like gay people. <laughs> and you're like, wait, that wasn't the real problem at all. Right? <laughs> so he's really good at misdirecting. It's super obvious that he's doing it on purpose. He's doing it consciously. I, honestly, I, I, I give him a little bit of credit. I mean, there's a worthy adversary. Like, there's many other, like Sean Hannity is a blockhead. I think there's literal Legos inside his head, okay? Uh, he, he can't connect two logical thoughts of his life dependent on it. Whereas I see every rhetorical trick that Tucker does. Like he'll just say things that aren't anywhere near true, but as if they were obviously true. So like on that testosterone thing, he, he he's talking to the laser tag balls guy uh, who's <laughs> like, there's like, like an expert on it, right? Uh, I mean, on the other hand, you really want to go to an amateur ball lasering dude? <laughs> an apprentice type person, right? Yeah. Oh, we good news. We've got interns uh, uh, doing the residency today. So come on in, come on in. You take his balls, you take his balls, okay? Uh, no, no, you want that in the hands of a professional. Um, anyways, as he's talking to the guy, um, what did he say that? Oh, he said, um, now nobody's talking about this problem of low testosterone. Uh, but uh, you know, since the mainstream media is covering it up and there's nothing but lies, 
you're forced to look for other solutions. And that's why you should staple your balls to the wall. You're like, wait, what? Okay, <laughs> he didn't say the stapling part, but he, again, he yeah, he is in favor of lasering your balls, and I'm not joking. Um, okay, I don't what kind of laser it is, I don't know, but um, but you see the rhetorical trick there. He says nobody's talking about this problem. But wait, is that true? I mean, yeah, it's they're not talking about it on cable news today because Russia didn't invade your balls. Uh, so like there was no news event to connect it to. But is it true that no one's talking about it? And like they're trying to hide that that the testosterone for men is going down in America and universally? No, nobody's trying to hide that. There was a massive study in 2004, another giant study in 2007, and another huge one in 2017. There's been one in all sorts of different countries. The ones that I saw were in America and Denmark, etc. But he just said it like. No one's talking about it. They're obviously trying to cover it up. So that forces us to seek alternative solutions. Wait, 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 wait. None of your premise was true, but he's so good at it. And hence, you know he's doing it consciously and you know he's smart. So when he tells you to laser your balls, there's no chance that he believes that. And to David's point, I mean, putting forget putting your body on the line like Malcolm Nance's. There's no way Tucker's putting his balls on the line. <laughs> He not gonna do that. You first, brother. Okay, you do the ultraviolet red therapy or whatever the fuck that is on your own balls. <laughs> and then it's like what anybody I've said this a million times. Anybody tells you to put on a suicide vest, it's easy. You go you first, right? Okay. And then hey, if it works out for you, I'm right behind you, brother. Okay. Leave the second one with me. So same thing for Tucker. <laughs> Let me see you up against the wall, motherfucker. You lace your balls, and then we're having a conversation. There's no well, way also, he's ever going to do that. It's also sort of funny that all the all the men that were featured, at least in the clip that I saw today, they were all very muscular, fit, uh, very I would you know, call them very attractive men. You're not seeing pasty, kind of pudgy guys like Tucker who are shedding their clothes to sort of show you, illustrate what men could be. Yeah. Uh, see, if I shed my top, you would see what a manly man looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a look for sure. It's a look. It's a look. It's a look. And then nobody's confused. Oh, that day, yeah, yeah, that guy's a dude. No question. <laughs> for better or for worse. No one had to laser his balls to find out if he's a guy. <laughs> I mean, but look at the madness, man. Look, guys, we're like we're living in an insane timeline. Republicans are being encouraged to laser their own balls. And it's real. It's real. I mean, what the fuck are we supposed to do with that? That's so crazy. And there is there is a proverb, a Jewish proverb of that says, "May you live in interesting times." Oh, and this is this gets right to it. I mean, you can choose to say, "Oh my God, this world has gone mad. This world has gone crazy." Republicans are suggesting we should laser our balls, or you can say, "This is pretty interesting." Oh my God, I wonder what's causing this. <laughs> wow. I like how, I like how David's taking my. Uh, uh, Positive outlook yes. and applying it to this. Yes. Well, you're right. You're right. Guess what, David? <laughs> We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> it all ties in in the end. It all ties in. Um, so uh, there's a saying in, in there's a word in Turkish, but it's really <laughs> borrowed from Arabic, bedwa, and it means uh, a negative prayer, a, a kind of a curse. Okay, and so. May we live in interesting times is a bedwa. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have picked times that are far too interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but to that point or similar. Um, so that video was clearly homoerotic. It was not anywhere near the border, right? Uh, like every member of the LGBTQ community on Twitter was like, "Look, man, it's I hate to say it, but this shit is turning me on." <laughs> like, they, were, they were like unvarnished about it. They were just going all in, and so and uh, what do we think? Do we really think that right wing actually? Is burying those emotions. I mean, we joke about it all the time, and I think we're partly serious. Certainly, on some cases, we're definitely serious in some cases. But do we think overall the right wing has this homoeroticism and it's leading to their shame, which is then leading to like this domino effect um, that that's causing some of this uh, psychosis? David, that's that's definitely one for you. Wow. Well. Um- Okay, I was gonna say that I think to your point, Tucker is smart enough to know that everybody, it's not like a question, you're not gay or straight, you're not lesbian or not, you're on the spectrum somewhere, right? And I think Tucker gets that and Tucker understands that everybody, human sexuality is on a spectrum and that this is a way for him to reach out and attract people who may identify as conservatives or Republicans or whatever it is or to the far right, but who also have a a certain thing inside of them that is like, well, I'm I'm interested by this. I'm far more interested in discussing the issue of testosterone by looking at manly men who are built like, you know, like they're they're like they're 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 a god. I'd rather look at them and have this discussion than look at, you know, flabby white guys like Tucker without a shirt on. Um so I think Tucker's smart in that in that way. Yeah, um, yeah, that's an explanation. And and um, that's the other thing, man. You know how Tucker had uh, in his yearbook that he was part of the Dan White Society, and Dan White's the guy who assassinated Harvey Milk. Um, and you know, and somebody on Twitter put out uh, a picture we showed on the show today. Of um, I can never pronounce her name, Riefenstahl, uh, the Nazi propagandist. Right. Um, and it turns out she had a lot of buff, naked guys in Nazi propaganda. Um, and so part of it is probably this idea of the Ubermensch, right? The the supermen, the super race, the Aryan race, etc. Uh, and and part of it might be that it triggers those emotions inside those guys. That leads to the shame that then further solidifies them being conservative or following Tucker Carlson or Hitler or whoever, right? And then when you put all that stuff together, because the Riefenstahl stuff was stark. I mean, it looked really similar to Tucker's video. Um, is there some chance that he's just fucking evil, like, like comic book villain? Like you know who I keep thinking of? You guys who watched the girl with the dragon tattoo? Yeah, I saw the movie. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, and at the end of the like, there's I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but uh, there's an evil rich guy, right? And he's just old school evil Nazi dude, right? And there's some percentage chance that's what Tucker is, and that's well, pretty fucking also scary. 
that also gets to a point that, that JR made on his show, and that is if you look, at least the video that I saw, there was not a single African-American with this gorgeous male physique. They were all white. The only African-American that was in the video that on the clip that we saw today was when Tucker was making a point about what people people being too flabby and too fat. And so then they cut to a shot of a black man with, you know, who's, who's fat. So yeah, I mean, I think there's an element, I, I think that's by design. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, there, nope, we solved it. I think we partly solved it because there's been this weird, weird strand in Republican politics of attacking people who are overweight. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and then Bill Maher and Rogan picked up on it and they fucking loved it because they were all trying to appeal to right wingers now. And it's such a like weird thing because so much of the country is overweight, you think you'd be insulting your own voters and stuff. That's why I thought it that's weird. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's not a good political strategy if that's all you cared about. And generally speaking, not the Mars and the Rogans, but the the Tuckers and stuff, they definitely care about that, right? And the and the Matt Gates and Tucker does it all the time too, like deriding people who are out of shape. I think it's this Ubermensch idea. I think it's this idea of like the strong white Christian male is going to retake the country. And that's what that documentary is about. It's, right. it's at the end, they say, you know, then strong men will be ascendant again and they will basically rule again. So I think that then in their mind, and, and remember, Hitler wasn't a buff dude. Hitler was a flabby little dude, right? And, but he loved surrounding himself with, what he thought was a superior race and all these athletic buff German guys, right? Tucker's not very athletic, but he's surrounding himself with a wall of these theoretical Ubermesh. And uh, yeah, no, there's there's a there's a good chance they're like literal. I, I'm hesitating in saying it, but Nazis, like not fascists, as in I don't like democracy. But Nazi, as in, no, we're the superior race, and we're about to show you yeah. through tremendous violence, right? So these are really fucking interesting times. Yeah, there's <laughs> a little too much interest in these times. Yeah, yeah. Better, yeah. better to be living in interesting times than to be dying in interesting times. So we're well, well, <laughs> 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 being. But trust me. HelpTheRebellion.com, we yes. cannot let these guys win. Uh, all right, I'll end on these. Uh, Biden flavor corn pop came back and said, cannot wait for these guys to laser their own balls. <laughs> Artificial selection, I'm here for it, <laughs> okay? And and Fractured Mind 68 uh, said, um, I want a shirt with Jenks screaming into the void. Shop TYT, make it happen. <laughs> all right, uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, guys, love you. Everybody, check out The Edge with Mark Thompson. Check out KGO Radio, 10 to 12 uh, a.m. Pacific time on iHeartRadio. Check out Rebel Headquarters on YouTube, Facebook, everywhere else. Much love. We'll see you next time.